Welcome back into Talk Off, everybody. It is Friday, January 13th, and Carlos Correa is a Minnesota twin. Zach? Thoughts, comments, because I'm I have I have a boat. My thoughts to say about. I think that. everybody everybody's coming to listen to your thoughts, but it's a good idea. I'll get my thoughts out of the way so you can just cook, okay? So yeah. here's my thoughts. I'm gonna put the here's my on for this one because I'm gonna cook. Here's my th- yeah. Here's my thoughts before before I get you all riled up to start off. First of all, I just want to say happy Friday, everybody. Thanks for coming yeah, out. Happy Friday, everybody. So Carlos Correa, Carlos Correa is a Minnesota twin, and I'm honestly shocked. I really thought that he was going to be a Met come 2023. I really did, and he's just not. He's a twin. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast before. I don't necessarily think that he makes the twins all that much better. I don't think he – you know, he's obviously a, a, a phenomenal player. He's a top five shortstop in the league. There's no question, but we've talked about, you know, the twins in general, they have diff- they have, they struggle when it comes to the starting rotation and they struggle just all around. And I th- think they will, you know, be in the hunt for the AL central, but ultimately lose for the Mets. You know, it puts them in kind of an awkward position. I, I personally looking at the cow, the twins shaped out the contract was shocked that the Mets didn't match the contract. Uh, the Mets, I'm pretty sure, offered six one fifty seven, also with in, uh, tons of incentives as well as the Minnesota contract. Um, I just I don't understand why Steve Cohen wouldn't match this. Um, that's the only place I'm really confused. I think the Mets are still in a very good spot. I still think they're my favorite to win the NL East, possibly the World Series. Having a young guy like Brett Beatty being probably ready this year to come up. I think it's going to be good, get some good young blood on the team. You know, if they have to start off the year with Escobar there, that's going to suck for a little bit, but I think Brett Beatty is going to be ready this year. So I still think they're they're in an okay spot. Obviously, you lose out on having the most high-powered offense in the MLB, but you still have a very good offense. You still have very good pitching, and the Mets are still going to be there come playoff time. There's my thoughts, and, yeah. and and now now you can go, buddy. How what you feeling? I, what I'll say about this before I before I before I dig into the real issue at hand here, I always viewed the Correa signing as more of a luxury than a necessity. The team was well rounded mm-hmm. out. This team last year obviously won over a hundred won one hundred and one games, so it's not necessary that we needed Correa. This was complete a luxury signing. Where I'll start with this was the final offer was six, uh, six years, one hundred fifty-seven million. That would be twenty-six uh, and a quarter AAV throughout that deal. And this deal had, could eventually turn into a eight-year, two hundred ten million dollar contract that wasn't guaranteed, and then eventually to the full twelve three fifteen. The issue with this was to get those extra years. Those years were vesting options. For those options to vest, that would all be contingent on Correa passing a physical um, at the end of those years. Yeah, essentially the Mets were giving themselves a team option every single year right. after the six years. So, or not even after the six years. So 
I, from Correa's perspective, I completely don't discredit his decision at all. Oh, if, absolutely. If, if, if I'm him, I'm walking from this deal 100%. Anyone would have taken, taken the Twins deal over the Mets deal. It was the better deal. More money and less of an opportunity. More guaranteed money is, right. was, yeah. is my point. More and obviously, obviously we don't know how this could sign out. You know, this could, be a, this could end up being a loss for the Mets. Uh, but Minnesota is taking a very big gamble with this. A, a huge gamble. Uh, we have no idea what his what his ankle or his leg is going to look like down the road. So I'm I'm going to trust Cohen and I'm going to trust Billy Epler in the front office with this decision. I think Cohen didn't become a billionaire by accident. He knows what he's doing. Uh, would it? Would I? If I was the owner, would I have signed Correa? Probably. I probably would have matched that that Twins offer. But look, I'm not in charge of the team. They obviously listen to doctors and listen two respected franchises now. Uh, pulled out of this guy. So there has to be something seriously wrong here with this ankle. And, and like I said, Minnesota is taking a huge risk in bringing Correa in. Obviously, this for them is not necessarily... The ankle isn't as big of a deal for them because I would view this more as a move to get a franchise piece rather than what the Mets viewed this as is getting a third baseman for the next 12 years. This is more of a marketing move for Minnesota than it was for us. Yeah, Minnesota has has different reasons to sign him than the Mets do. Minnesota just they, they needed a franchise player on their team. They they do. W- without him, their franchise player is Luis Arise. Yeah. So I think it was very big for them having Correa go back and and good on them. Good on you know the general management for the Minnesota Twins for going out there and giving him this deal. I do want to talk about the deal because it it is interesting, the deal that they gave him because they did put some restrictions on it as the Mets tried to do, you know, try to save themselves. But I don't think it's enough restrictions for how bad this injury is apparently is if two teams are backing out because of it. Yeah. So the deal goes – it's really it's it's I don't know what Minnesota is doing here, and obviously, like like we could be we could be sitting here in in six eight years time, and we could be talking about this Correa deal and saying, "Wow, the Mets really missed out on this one." You know, it's really a toss up with this. Oh, right? it's a hundred percent. Nobody knows what's the what the problem is. Right, Minnesota is assuming a lot of risk here, and like you mentioned, Escobar is probably going to start the season at third base for us now. I don't look. It, would it have been nice to have Correa? Yeah, I don't think this this team is bad now that we have Escobar there at third. So it was really a, a luxury over a necessity. And am I pissed that we lost Correa? Yeah, of course I'm pissed. We had the opportunity to go out there and sign a another fr- a key franchise piece for the next decade. It didn't end up working out, but at the end of the day, you can't can't hang your heads on this. We won a hundred games last year. Reposed up for another great run for this next season. And I'm not going to let this stop our thunder right now. No, the the Mets are still in a, in a good spot. They really are. It's they're, they're fine. They won over a hundred games last year and they have arguably a better rotation than they did last year. And they have the same lineup. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah. the Mets are the Mets are in a great spot, and losing a luxury like Carlos Correa obviously hurts, especially when the deal 
looked like it was so close for so long. But the Mets are still in a good spot. I think and a big you know, issue now, with this too was that the the PA was never going to allow them to change the they were going to change the language of the contract, but they were never going to be able to change the financials of this contract. The uh, PA would the, the PA would have never said, you know, if Steve Cohen in, in the front office said, "Hey, we want to, we want to, we want to lower our offer because we didn't see what we liked in the physicals," I don't think the PA would have accepted that at all. I think that would I have, think that I would think have crushed the deal. Grasping from, for straws. That 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 this deal would have been crushed at that rate, and I think that's why Cohen went down to six one fifty seven. He cut the deal in half and said, "Hey, I'll guarantee you the the first half of this contract." let's regroup after the first half and let's take some physicals and let's see how the ankle's holding up. Yeah. I, ultimately the deal wasn't right for Correa. It wasn't right for Correa to have. And the pro, the big problem that they had was with the physical every year because they knew that the same problem is just going to come up every single year. And it gave the Mets an option to, if they win a World Series with him or if he's dealing with a hamstring problem or something, they can be like, all right, uh, we're done. We're done with you. We got Beatty. He's up. He's ready. See ya. Because they had that vesting. They would have had that physical to hold over him by their own doctors who obviously are going to do what Steve Cohen, the guy who signs their paychecks, wants. Now, here's the here's the real question. If you're a Twins fan – you have to be excited because you just got a a very good shortstop uh, back onto your team for the foreseeable future. When you watch that introductory press conference and him saying I'm ecstatic and I'm very excited to be back here in Minnesota, do you? I don't really know if I believe him. I mean, you were the third option this offseason. You were the fallback. Well, you know, I I don't think that there is bad blood because. He didn't leave with bad blood. He left because they they couldn't afford him. It wasn't because he didn't want to be there. He liked his time in Minnesota, but he wasn't he wasn't going to go back there because they weren't going to give him the money that these big market teams were going to give him until uh, two two team physicians found a potential issue with a prior surgery and plate in his ankle, and now. They, the twins pick him up on a discount, and now he's all about going back to Minnesota. I just find it a little sketchy. What do you want him to do, though? What, do you want him to go out there and be all sad? Obviously, he oh, has no, to. No, no, and I'm not saying that. I, I just, I'm, and I'm not saying I'm, he's obviously doing what he has to do in the situation. I'm just saying from a Twins fan's perspective, it does, it does look like, hey, like the, you, we feel like a fallback option. Yeah, I get. I guess you could look at it like. Yeah, that. I mean, I think I, I think if I was a Twins fan, I, I'd just be more excited. You definitely have to be excited. The fact that you have Buxton and Correa now locked up for the next uh, six years. Yeah, I mean, the problem with this team is going to be injury. It, it's it can Correa stay healthy with with this ankle problem that's right. apparently bothering him now? And Byron Buxton, we've we've talked about him previously on this podcast has not played over a hundred games more than twice in his career. The the cornerstones so, of your franchise are both extremely the cornerstones of your, brilliant. and then, and then you have a giant question mark in Joey Gallo. So, you know, having Luis Arise there is good. You know, having a consistent guy 
who fought for a batting title last year, there to you know hold down that top half of your offense when you do have some kind of volatile guys, especially having Joey Gallo there. You know, I do think Joey Gallo is going to improve this year because we're going to see the shift be banned, but he's not going to improve that much. He's still going to strike out at a shit ton, and he's going to, but he's also going to walk a shit ton. And he's probably going to hit a shit ton of home runs if he gets every day at bats. Yeah, don't. So I, I do think average in Minnesota. That's for sure. Yeah, I I do think that the Twins, you know, they're still going to be a, a good team this year. I just think they lack too many, too many pitchers, and. Carlos Correa is not enough to bump them up enough to win the AL Central. I still think it's the White Sox or the Guardians. But they get their guy, Carlos Correa, and they have contingency plans in place post the six years to tr- in case the injury comes back. It starts in 2029. If he doesn't hit 575 plate appearances, plate appearances you know they the the uh, vesting option becomes a club option. Gotcha. So if if he does not hit these incentives every single year, then the Twins can now say, "Okay, we're done with you." And that's what the Mets kind of wanted to do, but they wanted it every single year with the physical, and they were starting right away. This doesn't even start for Cray after six years. The six two hundred is guaranteed. He gets that no matter what, and I that's why he took this contract. It's a good deal. But having it's a great, it's a great deal. deal. And and having those four years after where he can pick up an extra seventy five million dollars is gonna be very good for him. I hope he doesn't battle with battle injury because then it's the six years and nothing, but he still has two hundred million dollars in guaranteed money, so it's good on him. It's a good signing for the twins. It's a good contract for Correa. The Mets are still in a good spot. Nothing really bad happened. Yeah, and I'm curious to see here where the Mets go now because Cohen did go on record and say that Correa was the missing piece and this put us over the edge. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Cohen in the front office try to make another move this offseason or if maybe we're a deadline. That's kind of the, the outlook that we're looking for right now is maybe you know July will make a move, but... It'll be interesting to see where they move from here. I've seen a lot, a lot on Twitter about um, how the front office believed ultimately throughout the whole process that Machado would be a better fit. Machado being a free agent next year, he has an opt-out from the Padres, which I I agree on that front. uh, But obviously Cohen was pretty sold on Correa in the beginning. Obviously, we now know that is not working out. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point there because having Manny Machado hitting free agency at the end of the 2023 season is huge. And he does fit the Mets way better than Correa does. He's a natural third baseman. I think that's that's what gives him the leg up on Correa. They're both great natural hitters, natural power hitters, great gloves in the field. But Manny Machado is that generational third baseman that the Mets could slide in and really change their lineup. And that that helps them more than Carlos Correa does just because he is that natural third baseman. He's comfortable there. He's yeah. been playing there for years. And he's he's been killing it for the Padres at third base. So I think Steve Cohen, in the back of his mind, 
probably does have that there saying, you know, if we just wait one more year, Manny Machado is there. Especially after he did lock up all these guys this year. So I think the Mets are in a good spot and I would love to see them go after Machado. That would be insane. Well, obviously not because they'd probably win the World Series, but that would be insane if Machado was a Met. And I expect Steve Cohen to absolutely go after him next offseason. Yeah, he's definitely going to be going after him next offseason. There's no question about that. I am just really interested to see what the moves will be this season, being as that there's not a lot of star talent that a lot of teams are probably going to be willing to deal uh, especially right now and maybe not even at the deadline, looking at you know who, who's free agents next year. I, I don't really know besides Machado because the Padres are not going to be giving him up. They're going to be, they're gonna be um, loading up for a postseason run. Otani is a free agent next year. Right, but I don't, I don't necessarily know. I, I didn't, there's been a bunch of rumblings with him on Twitter with the Mets too. Which would make sense why they're connected, considering the fact that Billy Epler, who's our GM, uh, was the one who recruited Otani to Los Angeles originally. But I, I don't, I don't see a way that he's. There's no way the Angels move him. I, I don't even know what you would trade for Otani. I have no idea. That the, that's going to be the problem. Is come the trade deadline, people are going to call on Otani. People are going to call the Angels for Otani unless they're in, you know, in the hunt and they don't even pick up the phone, which I highly doubt is going to happen. People are going to call on him, and I'm just interested to see what the packages people are going to offer. Is like we've never seen a player like this. We've never seen a player like this. So you don't even know what a package for Otani would look like. No, and this it's got to be, be a, this, 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 this. It's got to be two of your top five prospects. Right. This is going to be a scenario where no matter what the deal, top the, 20, no matter what the deal, the angels make for him, it's always going to look like a bad deal at the end of the day. It's always going to be criticized there. Everyone's always going to be saying the angels got fleeced in this deal, especially because it's the angels. Right. too. What, what a shit organization with all the, stuff they've had to go through with signing Rendon to that contract. Nobody's going to let them forget that. If they let o- if they trade Otani, everyone's going to look back at that trade and say they got fleeced no matter what because they're an easy target and they have history. Let's put it that way. So it'll be interesting to see where the Mets go from here. I I honestly like the duo of of Escobar and Beatty to start the year and and then we'll and then we'll figure out towards the deadline what the best options are for not only this season but moving forward. I I just don't think the Mets should go out there right now and spend like drunken sailors and just try to try to be a little over the top and make a move that eventually we'll regret. That's the one thing I'm nervous about with Steve Cohen because as we know when Steve Cohen doesn't get what he wants uh, he tends to go a little crazy. And, he, and there's nothing more scary than a crazy man with all that money. I mean, right. We saw it with Verlander. We saw it with Senga. The spending, Quintana, it just didn't stop once uh, once DeGrom left. It was, uh, that was the, uh, what's, what's that What's that phrase? That was the, the bull that broke the camel's back. Jake, what are you eating? Eating during the podcast? <laughs> it was a chicken nugget. <laughs> okay, if it was a chicken, is it? We, oh my god, something just fell in my room, scared me. 
Was it a dinosaur chicken nugget? Oh, it's Chick-fil-A. Okay. I was hoping it was dinosaur shaped. All right. You know, I kind of want to get back into it and I want to talk about another shortstop. Well, actually second baseman, but we're going to say shortstop this year. And that is the sad, sad Trevor story and the sad Boston Red Sox. Yeah, so he's uh, – We can't be happy for a week. We can't. We can't. There can't be good news for more than a week. Well, there's going to be a lot of bad news in the next four to six months as he pretty much undergoes modified UCL surgery here. Yeah, he, he basically got Tommy John, but he's not a pitcher, so they don't need to fully give him Tommy John. Right. And they're trying to cut down the – the recovery time. So story, four to six months. So but Heim came out and he shelf, said, baby. yeah, Heim, Heim Bloom already came out and he said, we can't expect story to be back this year. So I'm assuming Kike is going to be the full-time shortstop now. I have no clue. I, Chris, I, I have, I have no idea. It can't, you can't though. Like you can't, you can't move Kike. Cause here's, here's my problem, right? If you move Kike Hernandez, your everyday center fielder, gold glove center fielder, actually, if you move him to short, you have to sub in Jaron Duran for him, most likely, who we saw last year could not handle center field at the major league level. He's not a center fielder. He's not. He's a second baseman. He can't play short either, though. But if you move Kike there, you're getting a negative glove at shortstop because Kike's there and you're getting a negative glove in center field because Duran's there. You have to leave Kike in center because at least you have a positive glove out there. I don't know who is going to play shortstop. There's, I mean, you can bring up, you can bring up Marcelo Meyer, but there's, you bring up, you can bring up the argument that you're just going to ruin him by bringing him up two to three years early. I mean, the guy is in double A still. So I think honestly, the Red Sox should probably be looking in the free agent market at this rate. Then, exactly, and there's not. That's that's my that's my pick. That's who I would like them to go get right now. He Jose was a three war player last year. There's some good options out there right now, and it's. But I mean, man, for for a team like the Sox, who things started to look like they were kind of turning around, it just goes right back in the wrong direction immediately. We can't catch a break. We can't. I mean, we signed Rafael Devers to that beautiful contract, make me so happy, and then I just get pissed off two weeks later. It's it's just one thing after another, and it it's just so annoying. How? But he and, and another thing is, did, did this injury just happen? Did it just happen? Because you missed. 80 games last year at the back half of the season. Why were you not getting it done then? Why did you wait until now to get the surgery? So it had to have been an off-season injury because if it wasn't and he waited this long to get surgery, I'm I'm really fucking pissed then. Yeah, it's definitely suspicious timing. I mean, this has to be like what, an off-season workout injury at this rate? It has to be cuz even if it wa- even if it was a an se- injury in season, why did it not get fixed right after the season? It had to be an off-season injury. And what are you doing? What are you doing that you hurt your UCL that much to a guy that we've already talked about his arm problems and that he's not he doesn't have the arm to play shortstop this year, who we were counting on to 
just play out of his mind and somehow learn how to throw from shortstop again. And now he has UCL surgery. Now I definitely don't want him playing shortstop. I have a suggestion for you. The The Marlins have Joey Wendell available, who's a very solid hitter, and they've also been shopping Pablo Lopez. That would be a pretty good pickup if you guys could uh, strike a deal to send both of them to Boston. So I have seen a lot of stuff on Twitter about um, we were in a lot of talks with Marlins management while they still had Miguel Rojas, talking to them about Rojas, talking to them about Wendell, to try to come over and play shortstop. I don't want Joey Wendell on my team. I don't think he's a very good shortstop. He just doesn't look natural there, and his bat is okay. I would have liked Rojas. I think he's has a lot of upside potential, and he, he's a great glove. You know, He's not going to give you a lot at bat, but he's a great glove in the field, and he's a guy that's had experience playing in Miami every day, playing shortstop in Miami every day. I would have loved that, but he goes to the Dodgers. The Dodgers trade for him, which that's another trade that we'll talk about that I don't understand. But now you're left with the free agent market pretty much because Joey Wendell, again, I think is just not an option. He shouldn't be an option. And I think we were only talking to the Marlins because they had Rojas. Pretty sure the the talk slowed down a lot when they just traded Rojas to the Dodgers. But now you have to look to the free agent market and you have to look to Elvis Andrus, who is the guy on the list who has honestly he had a pretty good year last year. He was he, you know, he was above three war player, which is something you can expect for, for a guy on the back half of his season uh, of his career like he is. So I would be fine getting a veteran guy like that out there. He's a good glove still at shortstop. Obviously, he doesn't move the same way he used to, but he, he's still a good glove out there. He'll probably hit 250 if we're lucky, but I would much rather have that there than moving Kike Hernandez from center field and putting Jaron Duran, having him be our everyday center fielder. I think that's what's going to have to happen. Kaim is going to have to hit the free agent market, just sign a veteran to come in and play shortstop. And then I think they're going to have to be the everyday shortstop for the whole season because when Trevor Story, if he does come back, I don't think you can trust him to play shortstop after this surgery, so he'll probably move to second base, and Christian Arroyo will go back to utility. Honestly, they'll probably use him as a designated hitter for the rest of the year. I wouldn't be surprised about that either. But man, the Sox are in a tough position now. This is, uh, you guys can't catch a break. It's it's one after the other this offseason. It's, it's really sad, it really is. After the shit year that we had last year, I was like, pissed off because we had a shit year but i was like you know what Heim is gonna Heim is gonna cook he's gonna cook and we have three relievers yoshida and we lost a bunch of players and i want to die so take away some positives from this year let's uh let's see how yoshida faces major league hitting and adjusts to the game here um at the major league level and there's not much more than i could say than that You'll have a good bullpen, and I'm looking. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to Yoshida, and I'm looking forward to Costas' rookie debut. Like I, I, I think he's going to be so good, and he's going to be the cornerstone of our franchise, hopefully for the next several years. So, and fingers crossed, a healthy Chris Sale this year. I would love to see Chris Sale stay healthy, but 
hasn't done that in three years. So moving on to the Dodgers, Miguel Rojas gets shipped off to the Dodgers. The Marlins grab Jacob Amaya, the Dodgers' 15th-ranked overall prospect. Rojas in the 22 season hit for a 236 clip with six home runs, 19 doubles, 36 RBIs, and posted a 605 OPS. This is a uh, a Dodgers team who is trying to fill the void of Trey Turner, and man, is that some big shoes to fill. I'm not gonna lie, I don't I don't hate this move for the Dodgers because they honestly don't really have a lot of trade bait at this rate. <laughs> they've they've went out in the past three four seasons and they've they've dealt it a great deal of their good prospects, and at this rate, most of their prospects have already progressed to the major league level. And with the talent that they've already lost this offseason, a lot of that talent that was probably trade bait in years past is now going to need to step up and produce at the major league level. So I think this is this is this is a move from the Dodgers that are showing that, you know, we don't have as many as many options as we did in the years past. So I, I agree with you that the Dodgers are shorter on options than they have been in years past, because they are. But I, I'm going to have to disagree with you in the fact that I, I don't like this move by the Dodgers. I don't. Uh, I feel like there was just no need. I think Gavin Lux is is a very solid shortstop. I think he would be fine to play shortstop every day for the Dodgers. And they would have Chris Taylor play second, and that would be their middle infield. I understand that they signed Rojas so Lux can play second base. And he might be more of a positive defender at second base, but I like Lux at shortstop. I really do, and I think they would be fine with Lux at shortstop. Rojas, just he doesn't hit is the problem. He's obviously going to be a very good defender for them at shortstop, but he just doesn't hit enough for me to like him enough for the Dodgers to make this move. Jacob Amaya is a very good prospect, and he was top 15 prospect for the Dodgers, and they gave him up for Rojas, who started his career as a Dodger. Right. So I'm, so, I'm curious I mean, to see we'll, what this lineup is going to look like now. Me too. I think Rojas is going to start at short, and they're going to move Lux over to second. He's going to start at second every day, and then that gives Chris Taylor the opportunity to either start in the outfield or play that utility guy and just give guys breaks. Honestly, it'll probably be a tandem of a lot of guys shifting around the infield because Vargas will be playing third now. So I wouldn't be shocked to see a guy like Lux or Chris Taylor playing third at some point of the year to give Vargas a day off. It's going to be a very versatile left side of that infield. And the Dodgers have been versatile for years. They've they've had guys for years that have just been you know, great utility guys. We've seen Gavin Lux play all over. We've seen Will Smith, Chris Taylor. We've seen a lot of these yeah. guys play all over the place. Cody Bellinger played first first when he first came into the league. Uh, we They've moved Mookie, Mookie Betts to second base before. The Dodgers love playing guys out of position. They love guys who are utility guys, and they'll always have that. I think it's a good thing to have. I'm just not a big fan of the Rojas deal. I, I I'm not a big fan of Rojas. If the if the if the Red Sox got him, I'd probably be like, "Oh, this guy's so good. Oh my god, defender, whatever." 
maybe it's just because he's going to the Dodgers, but I don't know. I don't know. I just I just like Gavin Lux, I think, more. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you on the Gavin Lux take. I I I, I think he's a very good player. Uh, and the Dodgers are definitely uh, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see him now at second as opposed to him at short. I was I was really looking forward to seeing Gavin Lux play short full full time for the Dodgers. That would have been fun. Me too. That would have been a lot of fun. Also across town, Nelson Cruz one year one million dollars with the Padres. So the Drays got a uh, they got themselves a DH now. Which I don't really think they needed, but like if Cruz is, is throwing uh, okay. out there with a million dollars, like why not? So I see this signing as a Udonis Haslam re-signing in basketball. And if <laughs> nobody knows who – if people who are listening don't know who Udonis Haslam is, he is like 50 years old and he's played on the Miami Heat for about 25 years. That's what I see this as. I think they're, they signed Nelson Cruz to a $1 million deal to coach for them. Interesting. So I think is, he's this basically is like almost going like a to, Manny Ramirez later in the career player coach kind of deal. I think this is a player coach kind of deal. They want a veteran guy in that clubhouse. They, you know, the the Padres have so many personalities in that in that clubhouse between you know Machado and Soto and Tatis. There's so many stars. It's hard for especially the younger guys like Tatis Soto. Sometimes they lose their head a little bit. It's good to have that veteran guy to bring the clubhouse together and just have a good clubhouse guy. And it's a million dollars. Who cares? It's $1 million for one year, whatever. That's pocket change to these these owners. That's so worth it to have a, like, a good coach and a good veteran presence. Maybe he'll give you three home runs on the year, and he'll probably only get a handful of at-bats. But I like the signing. You give the guy one last run. He wanted to win a World Series, so he joined the team that he thought had the best chance, and I like it. Yeah. I mean, like, how much significant playtime is he going to actually really get? I mean, the guy None. last None. year was – He's so old. Yeah, he's going to – this is his age 42 season. Last year, 234 average, like 10 home runs, uh, 64 RBIs last year. So, I mean, he could still hit the ball. It's just actually more than I thought. It's just not what we're accustomed to seeing Nelson Cruz do back in his, uh, back in his all-star years. Yeah. He won't come close to 10 home runs this year, but I definitely agree with you. This, this is probably, a. I mean, for a guy, like a guy going into spring training, like Nelson Cruz will be an immediate impact in spring training for this team to get the vibes right and just build a winning culture in there. Absolutely. Trevor Bauer officially cut by the Dodgers. He can now sign with any of the other 29 major league teams for the major league minimum of 720,000. I know we've covered Bauer in past episodes, but wanted to update everyone that he is now officially released. It'll be interesting to see, like we mentioned last episode, Zach, when um, to see who's the first team to bite on on Bauer because it's definitely um, – I feel like nobody wants to be the first mover here. Um, and, and the Yankees and Mets have reportedly already come out to sources and say that they won't be going after him, so you can already take two of the 29 out of the mix. So I guess there's 27 teams uh, vouching for – potentially vouching for Bauer's talents. 
Yeah, I, we talked a lot about Bauer last episode. I, I do think a contender is going to go out and get him. My my dream scenario is still Cleveland, but someone's going to go get him for cheap and give him an opportunity to pitch. I feel like this has Padres written all over it. I, I do I do think it does have Padres written all over it because they just have indisposable money, and A.J. Preller has been just dying at the fact that the Mets might outspend him, so he's got to go get everyone physically possible. Right. But do I think the Padres really need him? No, I think it's just more egos in their clubhouse, which they don't need. But I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got him. Someone's going to go get him. Uh, no, no, not to go back on Correa here. Um, but I just but did, gonna. I, I wanted to, uh, give us the nod. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not going back in and, uh, I don't want to go down that road again, but I do want to give us some credit, Zach. We did, uh, previously, like a few weeks ago, we did say if this deal fall through that we saw him going to back to Minnesota and oh look, yeah, look where he's at. So, I mean, there was, there was, no, que- there was no question. So that, that, that's a good call by the two of us. For those of you watching, I just took my hat off. Not watching. Uh, I just, I just, I just saw something that might might interest you on Twitter. I just saw a report now that. Wait, sources... can I can I just interrupt you for a second? Yeah, yeah, go. Can for I it. just interrupt you for yeah, a second? Yeah. yeah. I think my favorite part of of doing this podcast is when I make a joke and you just see Jake in the back just give a little giggle, like he's <laughs> he's laughing but he doesn't want to unmute and laugh. And can, can we also <laughs> talk about the part. fact that Jake is like grubbing right now? He's like face deep in some food. grubbing on. I don't, I don't. I don't know if he's eating Chick Fil A or spitting sunflower seeds. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. But but he looks like he's having a time of his seeds. life. Eating sunflowers, eating sunflowers. Into a Chick-fil-A. In the Chick-fil-A box. Yeah, into a Chick-fil-A box. That boy. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Daz. What did you see on Twitter? I'm I sorry. saw on Twitter that there's reports coming out now that in the beginning of the offseason, uh, Trey Turner and the Mets had extensive talks. Uh and the reason it fell through was Cohen wanted him to play center field. And I don't blame Turner at all for uh turning that down because obviously he's a shortstop but it's interesting to see that that's cohen man he just he just he tries he was willing to give anyone money yeah didn't matter but that's crazy man yeah i he just he he defies the laws of baseball he doesn't care what position you play how much money you want he doesn't care he just wants players wants his team to win i love it so i don't think there's too many more uh blockbuster free agents out there if if any at this rate no the 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 free agents are you know as we've talked about they're they're dwindling down it's 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 pretty much scraps now the biggest guy in the market's probably you know maybe a raldish chapman who who uh, i saw is getting interest from a lot of teams today actually yeah me too i saw that but you know, there's not a lot of you know, big name guys left. Still, a couple signings that went that went down this week that I wanted to talk about. You know, Brandon Belt signs with Toronto. I love this for Toronto. They, they needed more lefties in this lineup, which is what we've talked about and what they've tried to address by going out and trading for Dolan Varsho. Yeah, I think this is great. I think Brandon Belt is a good backup for Vladdy when he needs days off. He'll he'll probably platoon DH with Danny Jansen if I had to guess. I think this is great. This is a guy in Brandon Belt who has done this for 11 years and 
he's been doing it great in the back half of his career, and I don't know why. In the short in, in the short in 2020 season, he hit 309. 2021, he had 274. Last year, he had a, he definitely had a down year. He had 213. Didn't play very well last year, but he did deal with some injuries last year. He only played 78 games. But this is a guy who's been doing it his whole career. He's a career 260 hitter, 356, 458. It's an OPS of 814 for his career. I mean, this is a guy who's great with the bat. He's a great lefty hitter, which is what Toronto needed. I love this signing. And they gave him, I think, $9 million, one year $9 million, which is a pretty cheap deal for this much of a veteran guy, too. So I ooh, love it for Toronto. Ooh, we have, I'm sorry, we have breaking news. We, have break, we actually have breaking news right now. We actually, we actually have breaking news. Like, no joke, we have breaking news right now. Triple A to imp- implement robot umpires for the 2023 oh season. Oh, my God. I'm not starting this argument again. We're not going to go over it. I don't want – Jake is just going to sit there on his laptop and just grind clips for TikTok, and I, I'm, I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to be a part of it. <laughs> No, I'm already getting mad. This is so stupid. This is just one step in. No, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You know, I'll this go at this. Day. I'll defend. I'll defend that take all day. No, no, I, I don't want to talk about it. Fine, whatever. Uh, before before we di- if I don't know if we're going to depart on the uh, or if we're going to dive into the, the robo umps. But before we leave the Brandon Bell topic, um, I agree with you, Zach. That's a great signing. And. Let's not mention the fact that Brandon Bell, Brandon Bell is a two-time world champion, so he knows what it takes to win a championship. So, for a club, it's a veteran guy. guy. This this is a good signing for them, especially for Toronto, who is a very young team already, and they don't really have anybody on their team who's had playoff experience, like a lot of playoff experience. Right. The only playoff experience they've had is the playoff experience they've had in the past two years together. So they don't really have they don't have a World Series champion or anybody who's been to a World Series before, you know, in their lineup or in the rotation. So I think it's good that Belt is their two-time champion can be a veteran presence and still a very good hitter for a platoon DH. Uh Steven Vogt. That that's how you say his last name, right? I think it might be Vot, but Vot, I, I don't know. New he's the new uh Mariners bullpen coach and quality control control coach i always liked him as a uh as a player he was uh he was always fun to watch i remember him making the all-star game um i think that was like 2014 no 20 2014 he made it in cincinnati as an alternative and that was a lot of fun to see so i wanted to i wanted to give our man uh steven a little shout out on the show imagine he hears this i would love to have him on he'd be such a cool guy to have on I want to have a bullpen catcher on. Let's let's make we that happen. De- find a, I want to need to find a bullpen catcher. I want to talk to them because they must live the life. They don't have to do shit except catch bullpens. And they get a ring if you win the World Series. That's awesome. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And, you, and you're like boys with all the pitchers too. So like imagine exactly. you have a sick rotation. That'd be awesome. I would feel like actually a, a good amount of pressure being a bullpen catcher, be warming someone up for a start. Because you're kind of like the, the last quality control check before he's going out to the uh, to the rubber. 
for that for that guy. Yeah, I guess, but it, I I just think it would be fun. Here's th- this will say a lot about you. If you were a bullpen catcher, would you wear a chest protector or would you not wear a chest protector? Because... I would one thousand percent be wearing a chest protector. Okay, so I I'm the same way, but there's a lot of bullpen catchers who don't wear chest protectors. I've I actually braver men I, I actually read that, which I'm is not brave. Which is which is I'm not I'm not brave either. Trust me, but like aesthetically, like that looks pretty cool. Like. It does look really cool. It looks really cool of just saying yeah. like my glove is not going to get in the way between your fastball and my chest. That's pretty cool. So do do we want to get into robo umps or are we gonna are we gonna No, no. Nope. We're skipping that. I told you we'll save it for another episode for a rainy day. Okay, it's we'll save right this now, for but... a raining day. It is raining right now. But Buster only just confirming that Major League Baseball, excuse me, well, it is Major League Baseball, yeah, I don't know why I went back on that, uh, will implement electronic strike zones in all 30 class AAA ballparks beginning this season. And you know what? I wonder if next year it'll be – do you think this this is a rule, Zach? And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not asking you to to get involved on whether you like it or not, but – when it ultimately does get implemented, because it will, do you think this will be tested in spring training first before we bring it into regular season? Uh, think I think this, this is. Probably, I think it'll probably get tested more than anything we've ever seen. Yeah, this. I mean, this this has to be its last real step, wouldn't you say? Uh, I, I I I don't think so. I think it'll get tested for more than one season in well, AAA. I, I think I think I think you know what this means now, right? I think this means we have to go to a AAA game and see what it's like to be in the in the stadium and everything percent. be exactly correct. Every a ball is strict. And and correct me if I'm what wrong. What are the yard goats? Are they AAA? The hard for yard goats? I don't think so. I'll fact I'll fact check that. But correct me if I'm correct system. me if I'm wrong, Zach. With the with the electronic strike zones, hitters get like they get the challenge, and it's it's a it's a fairly quick challenge that they have. I don't. But they know do if get the challenge. The, something I did see the challenge. I don't know if that's with robot though. I don't know if those if those two go hand in hand. Uh, by the way, no, this, because why would you challenge a robot? It would just show you the robot again. Right, right. Uh, the Hartford Yard Goats <laughs> are uh, double A. Oh, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. No, that would make sense. No, yeah, we'll actually, well, no, because we'll I was I, I was yeah. curious because um, I'll use I'll use this example. Tennis is um, they use electric. Um, I don't even know how to phrase this, but they use. Um, it's like VAR. It's like video. Yeah, system. right, right. It's a video system, and they use that. They still rely on the human element for the umpire in tennis. It, it is. It's called an umpire, right? Yes. Uh, but players do obviously have the right to challenge a play, and the whole stadium sees it, and it, it adds for a moment of drama, which is cool. Like, that's cool. And, and to your point, Zach, if Major League Baseball doesn't end up reverting to fully automatic umpires, I think it would be cool to see uh, a hitter challenge a strike call. Yeah, it would be. It, yeah, yeah, it would be cool, I guess. Because there's a lot of instances where we've seen uh, bad calls and games, and uh, I'm not a fan of that. Nobody is. Specifically, the uh, the game that eliminated the Giants in the playoffs last year, two years ago. Yeah, of course. 
Do we want to get into some Florida Man Friday? I was just going to say, should we get into the best segment ever created by man? I think so. I think we should. <laughs> Jake, we should Jake, Jake, just, Jake just smiled. That was... <laughs> yeah, he liked that one. He liked Jake, that one. Jake liked that one. <laughs> I hope somebody out there watches the YouTube so they can – wait... no, just kidding. Jake's not on the YouTube. Well, nobody could see Jake's reactions, but if you could – Everybody would be laughing. Jake just got a new haircut, and he looks really handsome with that. So, <laughs> you're making me blush. Well, we appre- we just appreciate our producer. A producer is nothing anybody... without his podcast. This is true, and a podcast. I'll is I'll, uh, I'll get the ball rolling on this. Get the ball rolling, Chris. Can you start with Florida Man Friday. So I've got this article here: Florida man charged with assault with a deadly weapon. After throwing alligator through Wendy's drive-through window, so he thought it was oh. a he thought it would be a funny prank to throw a, an alligator through the drive-through window when he was going through the Wendy's drive-through, and according to reports, he thought it was a, a harmless alligator. So he threw it to the drive-through window. No one was hurt, and uh, I don't think anyone was in the window at the time. Thankfully, uh, but at the end of the day, he was. Uh, charged with uh, assault with a de- potential assault with a deadly weapon, and the alligator was caught in the kitchen uh, and returned to wildlife uh, after. So I guess, uh, like, can you purchase alligators in Florida? Where does one? I mean, you, it's Florida. You just pick them out of a swamp. Well, not PetSmart. I don't think you can just buy one as a pet. They just pick them out of swamps. And they're like, "Oop, this is mine now." I it's Florida. I would it's like a not. different world. This is true. That's why we have this segment to spread the word about this different world that we have discovered in Florida. Do you know what the word is? The word of the Lord. The bird is the word. Ah, yes. Yeah. Larry Bird. All right, Jake, what's your Florida Man Friday, buddy? Uh, mine is pretty self explanatory. Um, Deals with two guys, one named Urkel and the other one named Tony. Oh, um, Urkel and Tony. There yeah, that's, I thought I'd lead with that. Uh, the title of the article is Florida Man Beats Another Man with Bricks for Not Sharing His Crack Pipe. Oh. And I think we could all kind of imagine how that went down. Um, but yeah, Urkel got the shit beat out of him. Uh, I was just going to ask who got who got beat up. I was really hoping yeah. it wasn't going to be Urkel. Unfortunate stuff for uh, Urkel. Can your name be Urkel and you beat? Can you beat someone up? I don't. I think you have to get beaten up in a situation where your name is Urkel and someone else's isn't. You think an Urkel has ever given a wedgie? No, well, they only take them, right? Yeah, I think it's like a law. I agree. If my name was Urkel, I would let you guys wedgie me every day because it's just how it's just how physics works. So we can make that there. work. We My could, name's not Urkel, we, could we could file some documents. Well, we will not be. All right, I'm last, and my Florida Man Friday is about a very desperate man. Title of the article is Man Desperate for Ride to Hooters Calls 911, Ends Up in Jail. So this guy, uh, apparently he really, really, really wanted to go to Hooters. And I don't know why he wanted to go so bad, but he really wanted to go. So we called 911, told them 
that they needed to pick him up and take him to Hooters because his grandmother had a stroke in the parking lot. So 911 picked him, the ambulance picked him up, went to Hooters parking lot. They searched for three hours, three hours for a grandmother. And then they went to the grandmother's house and she was like, nah, I've never had a stroke before. So apparently this is the horniest man on the face of the planet. And he had to go, or maybe he was just really hungry for some Hooters wings. We'll never know. But he tried to use an ambulance to uh, get a ride to Hooters as an Uber. So that is just a little sad. Poor guy. Poor guy. Should we get into some picks? Sure, I love picks. Powered by Riverside. You know, with with it being all rainy and, and whatnot outside, that that song just turned my rainy my rainy day, and that was my uh, that was my little sunshine through the clouds of rain. That was that was really nice. I love that song. I just love I, all of our music. That song was just makes me so happy. Jake, we'll start with you on picks. I need to pick it up. Um, I'm two and five on the pod. I'd one get canceled on my games, so. Two and five. Uh, we're going to stick with hockey. We're going to Edmonton Oilers Friday night. Um, I forgot who they played, but they are, are they playing the Sharks. The Sharks are terrible. They're in San Jose, but Oilers are going to win. Um, lock it in. Oilers money on. Nick Shiz. <laughs> Love it. I am taking the Villanova Wildcats plus one on the road at Butler Friday night in Indianapolis. The Wildcats are two and four to open uh, to open uh, conference play. Excuse me. Uh, they've dropped their last two. This is a team that's struggling currently under new head coach, Kyle Neptune. They're definitely not the same team after Jay Wright left, but I do think I, I just, I don't think I can bet on, uh, on Villanova to lose after they just dropped the game against DePaul, one of the one of the worst teams in the Big East. Uh, so I'm going to take the Wildcats plus one, and we're gonna um, we're gonna hopefully fingers crossed. I'm putting up a very very good record um, against this. I've won my last four bets, so I'm hot right now. So hopefully uh, hopefully Villanova can help me out here and uh, get that fifth win in a row. Wouldn't that be nice? I am on a bad losing streak. Lost my pick from Monday on a half of a point. Very upset. I'm only one step above Jake at three and five. But we're going to get back on it. And tomorrow night, tonight, excuse me, Friday night, 7 p.m., I'm on my alumni not alumni. What, what what is it called when you what, alma mater? Alma, my alma, alma mater. mater. Marist College. Sing the fight song Men's now. Basketball. I don't know if we have a fight song. Marist Red Foxes. That was my fight song. 
Maris Red Foxes men's basketball against we tried to pronounce this before the show. I don't know if I can do it. Canisius. Maris is five and nine on the year. They're really bad. They've been bad pretty much every year I went there. But we love the Maris Red Foxes plus five and a half against Canisius away. I love it. I love it. Roll Foxes. Fox for life. I know, I like you uh, betting on college hoops, man. Because you know I'm a big I college hoops fan. College. So. I love me some college hoops. All right, everybody. Well, this was a uh, this is a great uh, Friday show. Everybody uh, having are you, forgetting, um, are you forgetting something? Oh, 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 wow, 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 wow. Did I jump apologize. the gun? Is that apologize a false start? To That's a false start. That's a false apologize. start. I'm sorry. False start. It's embarrassing. Like we haven't been doing this for like five weeks now. False start. Oz is scared. He's scared of the roulette wheel. I think he is scared. I'm not scared. Are you scared? I'm not scared. I'm not scared. Are you scared of the? I swear, I'm scared scared. of the wheel. Swear, I'm not scared. Okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So the random number today was. Ask my mom. I'm not scared. Okay, okay, I get it. The random number was thirty. So we're gonna do one, two, three bucks on thirty. Are we ready? About as ready as I'll I'll ever be. I'm scared. Okay, and we're spinning. We're spinning. We're spinning. Come on, 30. Come on, 30. Come on, 30. 30, 30, 30. Seven. Oh, my God. Seven. I don't know why. I had a feeling this was it. I did too. I'm not going to lie. The I think the day we get a low number is the day it's going to hit because we get a high number every single week, and every single week we lose. If anybody wants to tweet a number that will uh, tweet or DM us a number that we'll play in the next episode, follow us on both Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at the talk off pod. I think Instagram is the same. Is that, is that correct? Same yeah. on all on, on, on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. Don't forget about the TikTok. Yep. At talk off pod. Also talk off pod on YouTube. Yeah. So if any, any, if any of our listeners made it this far and they want a specific number to be spun in the next roulette spin, uh, comment a number and we'll we'll spin it for you. But uh, let's let's not let's not promote this on uh, any any social media. So let's see let's see who's listening. Okay. All right. Well, this is a great Friday show. We hope everyone has a uh, a great weekend. Have some fun. Kick back. Relax. Watch some sports. Watch some college hoops. And uh, we'll see everybody on Tuesday. Yes, we will. See you guys. Love you guys.